What's up, everyone? If you were wondering how I've done this podcast, it's based off the Anchor. All you have to do is unload the Anchor app. And even better, guys, it's free. You could also possibly be getting paid to do this. I mean, all you got to do is just download the app. Speak your mind. If you ever dreamed of making a podcast or just anything, let your voice be heard. You can also be known on Spotify, Apple, or anything download. Just go on the Anchor app. What's up, everyone? Thank y'all for joining me with Buzzing with Marlo. I am the one and only Warren Marlo. Alright. I... It's Friday. That's how we gotta see it as. Close your eyes, wake up, do what you gotta do, drink your coffee, get your keys, get ready to roll, go to work and knock it out because guess what? Weekend is here. Alright, so a little bit about what's going on for me this weekend. Um... It's Valentine's Day. Valentine's this weekend. Sunday. So, guys, a little piece of advice. Get your loved one something for Valentine's Day. Just make dinner. Do something nice for her. And, I mean, it's Valentine's Day. So, just got to appreciate that part. I've never been a big fan of this holiday, what we call it a holiday. But, obviously, when you're married... Or if you're with someone, it's going to matter. Um, I don't know that many females that don't like Valentine's Day. Um, even though we got mass mandate days and all this crap. I mean, obviously, they going to want something. You know, flowers, cookies, candy, a card, jewelry, um, the whole nine, uh, nine times out of ten, the best option to get a woman is wine. Uh, there's a hint for y'all, everyone there. Uh, it's not super expensive, and it's pretty easy to get. And I've never met a woman that doesn't appreciate some a guy getting her wine. Because nine times out of ten, that's the number one drink for a woman. Uh, judging just from me being married for three years and something like that, I mean... That's what it does for my wife. So, I I don't know. I I see so many posts every day. Obviously, girls like wine. Um, but, yeah, I know Valentine's coming up. Uh, a little bit of what I'm doing this weekend. Other than that is we start back on flag football. Uh, we're back and going. Uh, Panama was a little bit of a rough, rough awakening for so many of us. First time ever, so many teams in Jacksonville went out there. Even though it was cold, uh, it was basically like playing rugby, which I didn't have a problem with. It's just, you were banged up. It didn't matter what division, what what you were, you were banged up from this. 
but it was such an awesome experience, such a fun time. I I thank and appreciate all my guys that were on my team this go around. I mean, the trust in me to do a travel, and even though we didn't bring home hardware, which every one of us still not happy on that part, but appreciative and just really cool on the experience and so ready to get back. So obviously with flag football season starting back, it's basically back to the lab. It's basically back to the drawing board and time to reset the batteries and figure out what we got to do. So a little bit out of that. Uh, so today, I know everybody's waiting on to know about the guests. So today I got a stand-up comedian. Um, yeah. I'm dead serious, y'all. I was I'm super excited about this. This is my first comedian I am interviewing today. I am so excited. His name is Blake Sweet, aka Big Cowboy Sweetness. I mean, um, that's just the nickname I gave him. Because man, I mean, how many people really would not like a comedian? Coming out with a cowboy hat just is not known. For comedians like seriously that is like a perfect gig to be a comedian but a little bit about blake um blake started stand-up comedy and basically oh right right in covid area um he also has a podcast him and three other of his good friends uh started a podcast they are basically they don't do like what we do obviously with interviews and stuff like that but they do like skits and it's like a cartoon skit, basically kind of what he likes to call it, the South Park era um, for a podcast. So obviously, if you're really interested in stuff like that, um, you will like this episode because Blake is about to be on here today. So what we're going to talk about is this podcast, what made him start this podcast, what, how in the blue heck did he come from Montana all the, to move to California? Um, and lastly, we're going to talk about just what the experiences of being a stand-up comedian during COVID. Because you know how COVID is now. There's not that many crowds that you can go to shows or anything like that. And we're going to hear about some experiences that he, is, that he has seen and dealt with so far in his tenure of being a comedian. So obviously, I'm not going to chat no more. So when we come back, guys, we're going to be joined with Blake Sweet. All right, I'm joined by Mike uh, Blake Sweet. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. It's the weekend, at least, even though it's the last day of the weekend. But hey, it's been the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's a nice little tongue twister, right? <laughs> so, so how's it going in California, man? Uh not too bad. It's uh, nice and warm. Yeah, the warm weather came back quick. I'm glad about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, we just came out of a little cold snap over here. And it's just warming back up again. Oh, yeah? How cold does it usually get out in California? Uh, so I'm in the San Francisco area. Okay. And it, it can drop below freezing overnight here. Really? But for the most part, in the wintertime, you're looking at, like, high 30s to low 50s. Okay, so kind of like Florida's kind of heat and cold weather type scenario. Because, I mean, obviously for us, it that's really freaking cold. But obviously people up north, they'll be like, 30 degrees? Man, that's tank top weather for me. Like, 
<laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. it's true. <laughs> yeah, I actually just moved down here from Montana, and it's that is a major. Kind of move. Oh yeah, and so all my Montana friends are giving me a bunch of crap for uh, for the weather out here and complaining that this is cold. Uh huh. You gotta explain. So, so why'd you move from Montana all the way to California? Uh, so I'm from California originally. Uh, I moved mm -hmm. up to Montana for school. Okay. Um, and then getting into comedy and podcasting. Uh, the people I do my podcast with live here in California. Okay. Make it so easier. Once we, yeah, once we got it launched, it was. Uh, I knew I had to get down here sooner or later so I could be an active part of the show. Okay, I see. I, um, I, all right, man. Just judging by the way you talk and everything, I, I can tell you got like a little southern accent in you. Um, I saw some of your pictures on Facebook and stuff. I, I really want to know. So, obviously, I can tell you did play college football. Uh, yeah, for a couple of years. Um, I what used was the term play a little lightly. Uh, <laughs> I was. <laughs> I redshirted my first year and okay. didn't get a ton of playing time my second year. And um, that was about all the time I put into it before I decided I needed to focus on school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, so you only played for what, a year basically or two years? Uh, yeah. On the team two years, I was only suiting up as a player one year. Okay. Was it like a, a Division two school? I was NAIA, so it's okay. Okay, like a step below Division Two, a step above Division Three. Okay. Uh, what school was it again in Montana? Uh, it's called Rocky Mountain College. Okay. Uh, it's in Billings, Montana. I love the name of that. That, that sounds like a that sounds like a playbook right there, Rocky Mountain. <laughs> okay. Right. That's awesome. Um, so what what did you major in college? I majored in accounting. Okay. Is that currently what you're doing uh, now? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> I, uh, I ended up picking accounting because I wanted to go to business school. Uh -huh. uh, but I didn't want to just be a general business major. I wanted to pick something specific. And accounting kind of felt like the safe choice. Yeah. Like, even if I didn't want to go be an accountant, you know, other departments need somebody who speaks finance. Because mm -hmm. it absolutely is a completely different language. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And that's uh, so I work in marketing out here now. And that's a big part of my job is kind of bridging the gap between our salespeople and our accounting people because they, they don't quite speak the same language. <laughs> one's worried about cost, one wor one's worried about sales. Uh huh. Um, and so it's kind of tough getting them to communicate. Oh man, that sounds like a that sounds like an, a major adventure every day. <laughs> that sounds uh, like, not... like fighting cats and dogs type scenario in some ways over there. <laughs> but Luckily, I... it's not that bad. We're a small company, so we all kind of get along. Okay. So um, with you doing the major in accounting and stuff, did that actually give you a little bit more experience? How to basically bring out your podcast a little bit more? Um, having the background in it definitely does help, especially when it comes to 
tracking the money we're putting into the podcast and mm-hmm. uh, we're just getting off the ground hopefully getting our first couple sponsors here in the next couple of months okay uh, and so once mm-hmm. we actually do start bringing in revenue it's going to be nice okay yeah. congrats on that man because i know it's a major hassle um i love how you got a team of a group of guys for yours um it's basically a one-man show for me on mine <laughs> <laughs> so i mean it's it's fun i'm having a blast with it and um it's it's very knowledgeable like you get so much knowledge from every single episode interview that i've done i've not went i've not when i've hit the end button and go wow did i learn something in this because it's like something like even people I knew for so long, it's like when you interview them, it's like, wow, I didn't know that about you. And it's like, obviously, you don't know everything about somebody. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, and so we don't do interviews. We do sketch comedy. So I'm kind of losing out on that whole side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but being hey, you know, just fresh about out of college. Right. I was just about to ask you, uh, what, what's the name of your podcast? And go ahead and tell everybody about your podcast. Right. Uh, so it's called Fat Tango Presents. Um, it is available wherever you get podcasts. Mm-hmm. And we do sketch comedy. It's usually 15, 20-minute episodes. Um, it is a bit out there in terms of uh, mature content, I'll say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um like, I know we got into it kind of wanting to be the South Park of podcasts <laughs> uh, for reference. Oh, it's in that deepness, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's nothing wrong with it. I, I mean, based off how the world is now, is there really any type of limitations anymore? <laughs> like, oh, really? Absolutely not. Like, literally, well, I don't even know if there's really such thing as ratings anymore. So in some ways, when they sit there and say it's rated R, I still think it's probably going to make it away on TNT or something now. I mean, it's not like there's a very much limitation. So I love how you said <laughs> South Park of podcasts because there's plenty of them. And <laughs> I would love to actually know more about your podcast. Okay. Uh, what would you like to know? Um, just just tell me, like, what gave you the idea to – what gave you all the idea to wanting to do this podcast? And um, what were you all looking to get out of it? Okay, um, so I actually got brought in after the idea was kind of already half-formed. Uh, mm-hmm. It's me, my cousin Matt, his friend Mikey, and Mikey's cousin Ellis, who are doing mm-hmm. the podcast. And um, this all started because Mikey was working on a, uh, he was working on a script for like a superhero story. And I'll try not to give too much away because that is we're shooting for this fall to mm-hmm. be releasing that. But um, they kind of started to give us all this idea of, hey, there's really a shortage on podcast sites of scripted content. Yeah. Um, I know some of like, something like Stitcher Premium has some stuff, Audible's getting into it, but there's still not a whole lot of it out there available for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we thought it'd be fun to just start churning out little 15, 20 minute dumb sketches uh, and just be putting more content out there for free. 
It's mm-hmm. a little bit different from everything else out there. Right. And uh, it's definitely been a challenge. Um, one of the biggest things we've noticed so far is when you're doing scripted content, it's not quite as simple as getting all four of us into a booth and mm-hmm. acting out a scene on mic. It's it's a lot more like how they record cartoons where you've got to get one actor at a time in the booth and just going through doing multiple takes of each line. Um, so what we thought was going to be like a 12 to 20 hour process start to finish starting mm-hmm. to turn out to be more like 12 to 20 hours per step of the process. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as easy as it looked. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. So we, uh, <laughs> we're actually right now we're releasing monthly just uh, because that was where we finally decided we could actually get some consistency in that. Mm-hmm. Are y'all doing like once a week or something like that? Um, no, we're doing monthly releases right now. Okay. Uh, we started just, we were releasing them as they were finished, thinking, mm-hmm. you know, we'd be able to turn them out like every two weeks or something. It turned out to be a lot tougher than we thought. So we ended up taking a break, reassessing. And uh, so now we're always at least an episode and a half, two episodes ahead of production. Oh, that's that's good. Huh? I know that was one major struggle when I first started this was like, I was trying to promote at least two to three episodes a week or something like that. No, don't do that. So I've gotten to this thing where I've only done one episode a week and actually the consistency and stuff like that, it makes it so much easier and easy to manage wise. And like I said, it's a one man show type scenario, unless I have my friend that we do a, a show just called uh, My Unbiased Opinion, and we just call that like a different type of edition of Buzzing with Marlo. But it's it's a lot easier to do. And obviously, even with me to do one with him every week, it's still, it's still easy to manage. But man, doing like four to five episodes, you get burned out easily that way. And one way I've always heard like, because I'm coming from a professional wrestling background, you want just the consistency and stuff like that. So obviously the one once a week, guess what? People, if they're interested in it, they will tune in every week to find out what else is new. They're going to find out what else is more intrigued and it makes them more suspenseful that way. And that's one way I did all my research and stuff. And that's one way they've told me, like, if you're going to start doing a podcast, do once one episode once a week, unless if you can manage on to do way more than what you can do, but by all means do it. But other than that, I, I do the once a week thing. I think it's so much easier to do. <laughs> oh, it's so think, much. And it's, it's easier to actually set recording times and yeah, have some kind of a absolutely. schedule as opposed to just trying to throw in all your free time whenever you have it and hope it all looks consistent. So um, I want to know, so do you write, do you prefer scripted or do you feel like sometimes it's just better to be organic and just, just go with the flow type scenario? Um, it's a little bit of both. Um, definitely getting to do the voice acting and do our scripted episodes is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But as somebody who's getting started in stand up as well, it's really nice to just sit there and riff and try and come up with organic material because that's how stand up material makes you, it makes you stand out more. 
Right, absolutely. And it just, yeah, it, it gives me more of a chance to show who I am and try and be organically funny. And it actually helps you build, so I mean, not, not necessarily that's the major outlook you're looking at, but it actually helps you build a fan base to like, oh, that's who that person is. So when they see you on that comedy stand-up thing, that could also be one of your headlines when your podcast and all that starts bouncing off really well. It's like, oh, yeah, he does this and this. And, I mean, it keeps more people intrigued to come to more of your stand-ups and stuff like that. It's a great resume type scenario. Oh, absolutely. And that's um, that's why the four of us who do Fat Tango Presents, we're actually uh, – I think it's next weekend we'll be dropping uh, our talk show that we're – going to start releasing along with every episode it's a little bit of a behind the scenes a little bit of an insight into our writer's room and okay what the people are like who come up with this crazy stuff you're listening to on our main show (laughs) i love it um i want to know so um i don't know if you told me not in this so how long so how many seasons have y'all done so far is this just still the first season or uh, yeah, we're still in our first season. Uh, okay. We launched back in April of 2020. Oh, man. So, okay. Right about the time that's exactly everybody the time launched their podcast. podcast too, so. <laughs> so that's even awesome. Like, we all basically debuted at the same time. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it uh, it was real slow going at first because um, I was living in Montana, and Ellis, one of our other partners, is uh, – he lives in a different city in California, two hours away. So it was really tough to get all four of us in one place for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matt and Mikey were the only ones with the studio, and they're trying to churn out consistent content pretty much by themselves. Oh, man. So, yeah, we ended up taking a break. I moved out here and got started in the production process. And thankfully, things have kind of gotten a little bit more consistent moving forward. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Um, the group like the group that you've been saying, and you just said you are basically trying to s- put a foot into basically step into the stand up comedy background. Are all of y'all stand up comedians, or just basically um, podcast group? So me and then my partner Ellis are stand up comedians. Um, okay, and Ellis is definitely a lot further along and. At least I'd like to think funnier than I am because I just, I actually just got started in it in January of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely the worst time to decide I wanted to be a stage performer. <laughs> hey, there's only like two uh, people here. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I got three shows in when uh, when everything shut down. Oh, man. And so I spent like six months just doing nothing but writing material and then when i moved out here getting uh getting more involved in the podcast and that's the one thing i'll say about covid i hate to cut you off on this but it opens a new door for people say like if you thought you were ready maybe there's more time to prepare maybe there's more things you thought you should have known that you have a chance now to learn oh yeah absolutely and it it definitely has been an opportunity as much as I miss getting to be on the stage. It's, it is nice getting to spend more time so that when stages do open back up, I can go back and be a better writer mm-hmm. or getting in the recording studio and actually 
doing some acting so I can be a better performer when I get on there. Right. Uh, it is, it is a little bit weird though, because working on my craft now, I'm kind of putting the cart before the horse. I'm supposed to get established and be accredited comedian before I start getting on podcasts and doing yeah. that kind of stuff. But now that's, that's all I have. I have to try and uh, get myself feel, out there without like being able to get on stage. I feel like it's a real good startup because obviously some comedians, they would try to do acting just to kind of get their name out in that way. And then obviously when you go to the stand-up, like, oh, this guy, great example, Adam Sandler. He done that exactly. That's oh, yeah. how he got his gig out. And his movie, I think, no more than like $10,000 or something like that. And he just had one punchline, and it made him <laughs> a global <laughs> phenomenon now. <laughs> like, it's crazy to say how it is for, like, scenarios like that. Um, I do want to know, what got you to actually want to do stand-up comedy, and what comedian were, did you always look up to? Um, well, so what, what got me to decide to get into stand-up was uh, – I was actually working in collections at the time and it's just, I don't know if you or any of your listeners know, but collections is a really, really depressing job to be in. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, you're making something like 80 to a hundred outgoing calls a day, talking to people and who are in tough financial times, getting them to try and pay you money. Um, and so it was, it was taking such a toll out of me. I needed some kind of a, like some kind of an outlet, something I could go do that I enjoyed. And I've always been a pretty big stand up fan. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was, that was what got me to finally just go out and try it was like, I just needed, I needed more humor in my life. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what gets a lot of people into comedy is it's a really cathartic thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, laughter really is the best medicine. Oh, no doubt. I mean, just judging from some of the stuff I've dealt with in my past, now I can look back and laugh at it. But at the time, it was like some of the most tragic things I would thought would happen to me. But now it's just like, oh, man, like. <laughs> shame on me for doing this. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. I mean, it's just – and. Laughter is really a true medicine to actually. Oh, absolutely. I mean, in ways that it teaches you, like I tell people all the time, like stuff happens to you to make you more of a thicker skin type scenario. And now you can just sit back and laugh at it. Like maybe terrible three or four years ago, but about another year or so, you'll, you'll be sitting here putting it as a joke or something, like literally. And um, I, it's crazy to see like what, transpires on stuff like that so i want to know even though you did start in the in the basically the covid era <laughs> going in stand-up comedian so it's not like you could have like thousands of people at your building or anything like that yet um what are some of the experiences that you've had um it is so like the one uh the one comedy show that I could go do in the town I was living in Billings was a, uh, it was a karaoke bar that did a comedy night every two weeks. Mm -hmm. And a good crowd was like 10 people. 
So it was a lot less a comedy show and more like a group discussion. Mm-hmm. But one person had a microphone. Um, and it's funny, I first time I saw that small crowd, I thought it would uh, make it easier to perform. But still, when you get up on stage and Lighting. spotlight shining in your eyes, it's still a very surreal feeling, even if you're only in front of four or five people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same thing when you tell a joke and it lands, even if you're only hearing four people laugh, knowing that it's just, you know, knowing that it's just those four people in the room. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I can't even really describe it. There's not a, there's no other feeling like it that I've felt at least. Um, but that's definitely, when you get that first laugh, that's when you know if comedy is for you or not. Right. I mean, uh, one thing I've learned in wrestling for the longest time, if no one's showing any emotion, even if they say like, cause I was a good, I was the good guy. Um, like the WWE type scenario, like you good guys always, yay, cheer for them, happy, whatever. Uh, bad guys all, hey, you suck, I might find you in the parking lot type scenario. Um, but you you have to get a reaction. If you get a reaction on someone, guess what? You're doing your job. Good or bad, you're doing your job. If no one's saying anything, that's where you need to worry. <laughs> that's oh, yeah, where it's like, okay. Let's try to find a new way to get this laugh going, at least to that lady that's at least drinking halfway over here. <laughs> right. I, and I mean, I'll tell you, when you tell a joke and it doesn't land, no silence is more deafening than a crowd of four people. Mm-hmm. I want to know this. Like Have you ever said a joke where you started laughing and you were the only one laughing? Um... I definitely laugh at my own jokes more than I should. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's that's a good thing. Now that I think me. about it, there is every now and again, like I'll have a line that I'm really proud of. Like I think I was so clever and I'll say it and just crickets. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm saying it like I'm really proud of it too. So it just makes it fall that much more flat. <laughs> It's like you're trying to start the, yeah. the play type scenario. You're trying to start the right. wave or something. Hopefully, it's going to cause an emotion for even one person. And it'll be like, yes, I did it. <laughs> right. Well, and that's that's kind of the thing I've noticed with comedy, too, um, is it really seems like whether or not a punchline lands depends on if you can just get a few people to laugh at it. Um, like, I hear a lot of people say those sitcoms with laugh tracks, people it's easier to get people to laugh at the punchlines because you've got that studio audience kind of mm-hmm. triggering you when to laugh. Uh, and I've noticed it definitely is the same thing on stage. Right. If you can get just one person to laugh, you can get everybody else to kind of start laughing along with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and being able to read those energies and build on something and try to get more people over to your side. It is a really interesting experience because you're you're basically reading off the crowd. Yeah. Like you're you're reading off right. what works for the crowd. So say like if you say I I'm not a comedian or anything, but obviously you get the basics. Hey, so you say something about your sex life. Say something about personally about you. 
Nine times out of ten, that is actually some of the things that crowds will react to. Um, oh, yeah. You talk bad about yourself. I mean, I've knew numerous com- comedians. Kevin Hart talks bad about his height all the time, and that's actually one of the most over-laughter you'll get out there is because Kevin Hart looks like a little ant to a human being sometimes. So it's like <laughs> – like it's just crazy to see how relatable some of the stuff is. Um, uh, Jeff Dunn. Oh, yeah. and What's that? Oh, I was just gonna say yeah. And the more personal you make it, the more original it is. And yeah. I think that's the big thing that audiences are looking for. Mm-hmm. Like a good audience can spot a hack who's just telling the same jokes everybody tells. Right. Yeah, I've I've seen uh, numerous ones of them. Uh, when I remember when on my honeymoon. We were on a cruise and we got to see. It was two stand-up comedians. There was one that was filling up his. It was a fat. It was a big guy. He uh, was in from New York, and he would always crack a joke about how how he was in the showers, <laughs> in the cruise. You know how like cruise ships, the bathtubs are basically like little tubes. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I have to basically put both layers in just to wash at least one good side of my ass cheek. And I just started laughing because <laughs> I mean it was funny, like really. And I mean those are the it's sad some ways, but that is the most over thing is like you pick on yourself and they're like, oh, OK, if this guy can really talk bad about himself like that and thinks it's funny, then he's got to have a good sense of humor. He's has to have actually some good energy, a good a good person to follow type scenario um, other than oh, some, some of these perverts and shit like that. I mean, there's some uh, do that shit. So I'm actually curious. So when you do your shows like. Obviously, comedians have their own way of telling the story type scenario. Um, obviously, mm. some of them are like very bland and actually it gets them even better for the laughter. Or some of them really get in tune with the, the way they're trying to say it to get the crowd rolling with it. Which one are you? Are you the one kind of like with the flow or you really get into it? Um, I'm definitely still starting out and just trying to find my voice, but I do try to get into it and be animated when I perform. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I mostly tell stories, um, yeah. from my experience. And that's, that's one more way you really kind of have to sell those stories and be a good storyteller is you want to be animated. You want to grab people's attention. Yeah. Uh, so I might not be the best at it, but that's what I aspire to. Right. And so I don't remember if you told me. So how many shows have you done so far? Um, so live shows, I've only done three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I only recently started getting back into like virtual comedy. Uh, I think I've only done three or four of those so far. I'm curious. So, yeah, so what's the difference between virtual quality? I meant the virtual comedy. Is that kind of like like you do it on like on a Facebook Live or something like that, or is it like on someone else's platform? Um, so what I do, I get on this show, um, uh, hypothetical comedy. It's a local Bay Area comic, Sam Medina, uh, sets up a Zoom meeting mm-hmm. and has twenty five comics come on. We all take our turns doing a five minute set and he does stream it on facebook live and twitch okay uh and it is it's a lot of fun there's a lot of good comics on there um but it is definitely it's it doesn't feel the same 
as being on stage, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's, you don't quite get that same live feedback from a crowd. Um, really the only other people who have, who you can hear are the other comics. Uh, and one, and one of the big things I've noticed about doing open mics is a lot of the other people in the audience are comedians and they're not always the best gauge for whether or not your jokes land mm-hmm. because they're there for the same reason you are. They're working out their material. Uh, it's like how yeah, they're, they're trying to pick some, you... they're trying to pick some right. material that, and 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 I love how you just said that. I mean, that's how any person is like in a in a professional background. I mean, there ain't no one that could sit here and tell me that is not true. There is plenty of people right. who went on indie shows or something like that and seen something and they're like, you know what? I'm gonna take that, and they make the money off of it because of they're who they are. That is a fact in right. so many different ways. <laughs> right, and lucky enough for me, it doesn't seem like anyone's there so much stealing jokes as they are just proofreading their stuff out loud. Because mm-hmm. that very much is like with comedy. There's there's really not a way to practice except to perform. Yeah. You know, you can say your bit in the, in the mirror as many times as you want. You're not going to know if your punchlines are actually landing the way you want them to until you get in front of a crowd. All right. Yeah. Um, that's very true. I'm not, I'm... And so it is always, it is nice. You kind of know your punchline has landed when all these, you know, when other comics who are there mostly worrying about their material and whether or not it's good when you get them to break out of that mindset and laugh, mm-hmm. uh, it is a pretty nice feeling. Uh, I like that. Um, one thing I want to know, cause obviously I hate coming back every time, but when I did professional wrestling, obviously it was like a competition. Everybody's waiting for the next man to drop so they could take their spot. Um, is that the same thing with comedians or is it more laid back? Um, at the level I'm at, it seems a lot more laid back. Um, it does seem like, especially as you start getting better and you start getting booked for bigger shows and paying gigs, especially, uh, it does seem to get a lot more competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least from my point of view, mostly doing open mics, it's, we're all still kind of there. Just, just to learn, learning the working game, working out our material. Yeah. Like so, that very much is a practice mentality there. Yeah. So what what all have you learned so far? Since you obviously with your whole gig that you've been doing comedy right now, what what have you basically learned just based from all these experiences that you've had so far? And what what have you realized now that what helps you better yourself more and more every time? Um well one of the big things uh is like the actual fundamentals of writing mm-hmm. it's uh because my first couple shows i went to i was just writing something off the top of my head and trying to get it to fill my five minute slot um and just trying to write in things i thought were funny along the way mm-hmm. uh, but when the pandemic hit and i ended up spending a lot more time writing i started reading up on it um and so I have learned how to better structure my jokes, how to uh, how to find where the best places to pause are, um, you know, and things like that. How to build punchlines off of each other. And I mm-hmm. 
as I started learning these fundamentals, I started going back to the first few sets I had written on going back and looking at them and just following that structure, I could see why certain sets did better than others because even though I wasn't writing them with the structure in mind, they kind mm -hmm. of fell more into that textbook structure. Right. Like you want to spend as little time setting up and as much time on your punchline as you can. Yeah, the punchline is what's going to get you. So being able to, right. <laughs> right. Punchline is what's going to get you the money. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And being able to go back and look at my stuff that I had written before really diving deep into the actual fundamentals of it, you know, it makes it a lot easier to go back and rewrite that stuff to be better the next time I perform it. Because uh -huh. I can go back, I can pick out what did well, why it did well, and start to replicate it. How's that? How's that going for you so far? Oh, it's been going well. Um, is it kind of like I mean, I don't know how to say it. Like, is it kind of like saying like a series? Like, obviously, with a TV show, you get so many episodes on that one particular topic, um, but you always try to find something new just to enhance it every single time. Is that getting kind of the point where you have to measure like when you manage like how to tell your jokes in a way? Are you trying to keep it in that type of scenario? You just kind of keep changing it up just based off of what the crowd's wanting or what the crowd is feeding off of? Or is it basically you're like, you know what, we're going to just try this out and see where they go with this? Um, There's kind of a little bit of both. Uh, I'm lucky enough that I'm still new or I'm still new enough that I have all these ideas that I haven't actually taken the time to write out yet. So it's mm -hmm. – been nice i'm still able to kind of come up with something completely new and just throw it out there every show um but yeah when i go back and rewrite there are some where i'll just make a couple tweaks to try to make this joke more you know punch a little bit harder write a couple extra punch lines for this setup so i can get more than one laugh off of one joke mm -hmm. um and then there are others where I'll just completely scrap a whole minute and a half chunk of it and start over. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's nice seeing both kinds of, it's nice trying to gauge people's responses to both. Because uh, there definitely aren't, there are moments where you spend too long setting up a joke and next thing you know, you've gone a minute, minute and a half without getting any <laughs>, laughs. And it's then the longer you go, the harder, it is, the harder it is to win people back over. Yeah. So, if you know, if you are going to go that long, you've got to hit really hard with a punchline. Mm -hmm. That's usually how it gets their attention. I, and I've always been curious how comedians actually would be able to do that. Because, obviously, that punchline is T-shirt sales, uh, name titles, oh, CDs, movies, all that stuff. It even gets you a book in ways. Like, it's crazy to see, like, what's the main thing for punchlines. And um, that's what your trademarks are, really. Uh, knowing by your last name, I think, and judging by some of the pictures that you had on your uh, social media, I think if you come out with a cowboy hat and stuff like that and call yourself Big Sweetness or something like that, I guarantee you that would give you a good headline right off the rip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure I could. Um <laughs> people feed off of that I haven't quite uh, especially I haven't in quite jump too hard into that having a persona thing yet I'm still kind of just <laughs> trying to get up there and 
be me, but I'm starting to think you're right. I'm thinking if I almost in the way like, uh, like Andrew Dice Clay, I know people don't like to talk about him all that much anymore. Uh, but his whole persona was something he adopted just to brand himself more as the mm-hmm. comedian to go watch. Yeah. Uh, and I think you're right. Something like that, especially you as a professional wrestler, I'm sure you know how to do that, how to kind of create that character the crowd wants or that persona. Mm-hmm. It, it keeps you to keep enhancing more and more. Like you, it pushes you to change it up to where the crowd understands who you are, but also realizes, oh, man, this guy is getting newer and newer, fresher and fresher. It's not like they're getting to a chapter book and they're basically already read the book and they're like, all right, next guy, like this, this is, we, we know who you are. Get out of here. We don't want to know any more about you. It's like you keep keeping it going, keep it going fresh. You always have to adapt to some way. And I know with the comedy standpoint, there's so many different ways of doing it. And there's so many, and I gotta say that's gotta be one of the hardest gigs to do because I've there's really no such thing as a joke you could never heard of, right? So it's like, and oh my gosh! And I love how you said something about the professional wrestling standpoint. That's how I feel with wrestling because there's no such thing as a move that no one's ever done unless if someone's gonna jump from a twin tower and basically hope and pray that you land on somebody. There ain't no way you're gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing fresh out there. And obviously with oh, comedy, yeah. it's just based off of who could say it better and who could just make it to where it's not the same, like they heard it before. Uh, like how I said with your with the character with your name with the cowboy hat and stuff, man. Look at Jeff Dunham. This dude's got puppets, puppets. Oh, absolutely. And this man is selling out buildings. Like I remember seeing tickets coming out in Jacksonville. They were like almost four hundred fifty dollars. I'm like, dude. I'm not watching a man for $450 on a puppet. If I'm not sitting up close front center in front of him, absolutely not. I'll just watch him on TV. It's crazy. Like it's crazy to see like, man, this man's on puppets and making fun of him. Oh yeah. Or like carrot tops. Another one. I mean, he's got this persona that everybody loved. Everybody loves to talk crap about carrot top, but he's still doing Vegas shows, sold out shows. Mm -hmm. All the time. Oh, he was very hilarious in ways. He he's he was funny to what his type was. <laughs> right. He's definitely got that original brand that people want to buy. Even mm-hmm. though it's you know it's out there, it's not what you think of as stand-up. So uh, I, I do want to know. So I don't remember if you answered it or not. Um so what comedians did you always look up to that actually made you want to do this? Um there's a handful from different points in my life where I kind of went through a short stand-up phase. Uh, like one of my first, one of the first comedians I ever discovered, I was honestly probably a little young to discover at the time, was uh, Dennis Leary. Okay. Um, and it was just the way he could go on and rant for 20, 30 minutes about one thing and just get more and more creative with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, yeah, I thought it was hilarious and I was like 10 or 11 when I discovered him. So it was, I was also <laughs> at that age where, where the F word was like the funniest thing I could ever hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so of course, Dennis Leary was just my favorite at the time. Um, another big comic I look up to is Mitch Hedberg. 
Okay. Um, he was he's another one of those comics that wasn't really all that traditional. I mean, his entire act was wordplay. Mm-hmm. But he always had something creative to throw at you, and it, everything always felt fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, but nowadays, uh, I listen to a lot of like uh, Dan Soder, Mark Normand, uh, Nate Bargatze. What about George Carlin? You don't, um, you don't like his? Oh yeah, I oh I love George Carlin. I, <laughs> he I would that might have gone without saying. He would get so in depth with his character on that, but also he could oh, be absolutely. very bland, and it's the most funniest thing you would ever see. <laughs> like it's like, oh my gosh, bless this poor woman, whoever's with him, <laughs> and uh, he might have been a whole different person with that, but just those jokes, oh, yeah. it just makes you go, oh my gosh, like oh, he, he could have talked about anything. Yes, it was like it didn't matter what attitude or what way he was in it. It was just funny. Just coming from his mouth, the way he did everything. I'm not a big cigarette smoker, but him smoking a cigarette and stuff, it just fit the it just fit him completely. And um Oh, and he had it all too. He had he had the attitude. He had he did little voices. Exactly. He, had, I he always I came really back with original comedy. material, different topics. He had politics or current events he told stories from his past it was everything oh yeah he was outside the box he didn't care what feelings were (laughs) (laughs) oh absolutely not he definitely did not care what feelings were so i mean and god rest his soul and uh, gosh i I don't think there ever would be a comedian like him (laughs) he i don't think there could be anymore nah (laughs) I don't, I don't know where the world is. I don't think stuff. you could really have a comedian the way George Carlin was anymore. <laughs> well, same with like I was talking about Dice. Dice was oh, yeah. the first comedian ever to be selling out stadiums, and you can't have Dice now. Mm. <laughs> yeah, nobody's going to get away with going and doing that stuff <laughs> as a beginner. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I want to know. So. Are you more so? Obviously, when COVID drop, slows down and whatever, you're gonna really get high and heavy on stand-up comedian running those comedy shows again. Often, are you really gonna still continue with the podcast thing, or is that gonna be like just a thing, just to help you get to a comedic standpoint and give you some more knowledge, stuff like that? Or is it basically gonna be like, hey, comedy's back, it's time to roll? <laughs> uh. No, I'm definitely going to be sticking with the podcast. Um, it's I'd like to be able to do both. That's mm-hmm. kind of what's nice about COVID is I don't feel quite as much like doing <laughs> one is taking time away from the other. Mm-hmm. You know, because if comedy clubs are open, everybody will tell you, you know, you got to be getting out there every night you possibly can and getting on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that gap between you know, stand-up shows and everything else is a lot narrower because now stand-up shows are almost like just another podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely plan on sticking with the podcast. It's a lot of fun. I'm one of the four co-owners of it. I don't want to just uh, cash out and leave when we when COVID's over. Yeah. Uh, but finding a balance is definitely going to be interesting once... I can actually get back on stage and perform. I will say this, like, 
before I started this podcast thing and stuff like that, I was just blown away how big podcast is. And the one thing that really intrigued me the most was just the knowledge. Like, like I always go back talking about professional wrestling. Like, dude, that is actually how I learned how to become the wrestler I was the way I was because I would just listen to so many podcasts because I mean, you can only hear from so many people, like what they tell you to do, what, what to work and stuff like that. But they've never made it to the big times. They've never done it where the big chances is. So obviously I would go listen to Stone Cold, uh, JR. I mean, Chris Jericho's podcast. And it's just mind blowing how much knowledge you will learn. And the one thing that even caught me more better was obviously, yes, they would, it's a wrestling podcast, but they would also interview singers, musicians and stuff like that. And it was just crazy to see like Stone Cold talking about country music and stuff like that. It's just like, wow, <laughs> you could talk about something other than wrestling. And, and then it just, it just clicked in my head. It's like, you know what? I could possibly have a wrestling podcast. Yes. But I want to talk about everything. Like I don't see a podcast that really just goes, you know what? Let's just have a good conversation and let's see where it goes. And I feel like that's one good thing that my podcast has had for so long is just I have so many different great people on there and you just learn something from them every single time. And I never script my podcast. I, I just feel like, you know what, just go with the flow and let's have let's see how it goes. And luckily it's been good. There has been a couple of episodes. I'm not even going to lie that I was just <laughs> like, maybe I should rewrite something on this to kind of like get it going more because you know, it's like you just meeting the person. Maybe it's kind of like you might want to figure it out a little bit better. But I've gotten to a part is like, OK, I do a little bit of my research on it. And then I'm like, all right, let's see what, what we can get out of this. And it's been so much fun. I feel like it makes me more entertained to know somebody more than me just read on all the information about somebody. And then like, OK, tell me what how you are, even though I know who you are. You know, what I mean, it's like it's just like, OK. Well, I know, but they need to know, you know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. There's definitely something a lot more organic about just turning on the mic and going. And I feel like it helps people break that wall type scenario to be able to come out and talk more on themselves because it's like, oh, this person doesn't know who the heck I am. Like, let's oh, yeah. let's remind this person, you know, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, and it's even fun if like how dare you? <laughs> but yeah, and it's even nice for me. Like I'm still new to all this, you know. I'm, you know, I still get nervous when I get on somebody else's show. Like, oh, please tell me they're not just gonna scrap this episode now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's nice about the unscripted conversations, especially with a host like you. You know, you're a good interviewer. Um, so it makes it a lot easier for me to kind of come out of that mindset and, mm. and really I mean, get into doing the show. Group chat. Like the only thing is missing. We don't have a couple of beers and we, and we're next to each other, probably just chilling, watching racing <laughs> or something like it, just having a good down to earth, just chat, like talking. And that's one thing I teach. I want to tell people, like I even told people that I'm close with stuff. I'm like, Hey, would you want to do an episode? I'm like, oh, I don't know if I could ever do that. I'm like, really? Because if we had two Mike's hard lemonades in our hands or whatever, You'd be chatting your head off, and I could hit record, and you wouldn't even know what was going on. It was like, it's like that. I'm like, yeah, it's that simple in ways. They're like, man, I don't know about that. <laughs> it's crazy. And it's so funny because as somebody who's listened to podcasts for a long time, that's the part that I've always loved about them. 
Mm -hmm. it sounds like you're just in there listening to them having a beer and chatting yeah then when you get then when you get into it it's like you know that's what it sounds like but it's still tough to get into that mindset especially doing podcasts remotely thanks to covid and all that it makes it easier i'll tell you the way i'm doing this right now it's probably been the easiest way i've ever had to do it because people that have done this app and people have helped me get this podcast up and on they're like Hold up! You didn't have to go to the person's house or whatever. I was like, no, this guy lived in California. Like, how the heck am I getting there? <laughs> like, seriously, like, like, hold up! You could do it at your house. I'm like, yeah. They're like, is it like a phone call? I was like, kind of, but no. <laughs> like, seriously. But Blake, I appreciate you doing this with me today. Um, anything you want to finish on? And man, go ahead and tell us a little bit of your jokes. You're the first comedian. Right, well, I want, I want a real good. All right, uh, you're actually going to get one. I just performed uh, this Friday. Uh, so when I was I was in middle school when YouTube was first taking off, and so of course me and my friends were just absolutely obsessed with viral videos, uh, and we were convinced we were going to be the next like Star Wars kid or the Numa Numa guy or whatever other viral video was going on at the time. And we had this crappy little video camera and every chance we could, we'd get in front of it and do the dumbest thing we could think of. Uh, And so one day my friend Sean comes up to the rest of us, tells us we have to come over after school because he's got this great idea for a video. Mm -hmm. And so we get over to his house and he takes us out into his backyard. uh, And this was like 2008. So of course, Every dude aged 12 to 22 had four or five <laughs> different cans of Axe body spray. Uh, so he grabs one and t- holds a lighter up to it and goes, look what I found out. Uh, and then that's when he tells us his idea for the video. And I'm not kidding. This is what he said. I'm going to light one of you guys on fire and I'm going to film it. <laughs> And, you know, a responsible person might say, you know, this sounds dangerous. Maybe we should think this through. But me and my friends weren't nerds. We fought each other over who got to be the human torch. (laughs) (laughs) And so my buddy Mikey wins, and we go into Sean's garage to film. And we decided lighting Mikey on fire wasn't going to be enough. We wanted to give it some context. Uh... So so we wrote, it took us like 20 minutes. We wrote one line that explained why we were setting him on fire. Uh, (laughs) Except we were 13 year old kids who had never done anything like this before. So we couldn't get through our one line. We ended up igniting Mikey like 15, 20 times before we got a clean take. And then as soon as we did, that's when Sean casually mentioned to us that his parents had no idea about any of this. So it had to stay between us. And as soon as my dad showed up to pick me home, he gets within six feet of the rest of us and goes, Jesus, that's a lot of cologne. What were you guys doing? Lighting each other on fire? (laughs) And of course, witty kids we were at the time took one look at each other and said, no. 
Uh, and for some unknown reason, he dropped it. it. I know it's that he did. I know it's not that he didn't believe it. I know it's not that he fell for it. Because, I mean, we'd burn one of Mikey's eyebrows off at this point. We weren't slipping that past him. But whatever, we were in the clear. Uh, and then a couple days later, my dad comes into my room and tells me he just got off the phone with Sean's dad. Sean had left the camera out in the open. Uh, full of a director's cut blooper reel of videos of us just lighting Mikey on fire. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a Kenny moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, honestly, like, needless to say, we had our camera privileges taken away. Uh, personally, I think it's more because we could not get through one line than the fact that we were making irresponsible decisions. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, it all worked out in the end. Um, we almost burned Mikey alive because we wanted to be entertainers. No, I'm a comic. My buddy Sean's an actor, and Mikey's eyebrow grew back. So, all in all, I it worked out all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's awesome. I love it. Blake, I appreciate you doing this. Um, you want to plug in your social medias and everything and your podcast? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so go check out Fat Tango Presents wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and keep an eye out for Four to Tango. That's our talk show companion podcast that we'll be releasing every month along with fat tango presents um and then follow me on twitter at blake sweet comic i love it <laughs> all right thank hey, you man. so much warren no problem blake hey just think man i gave you a good idea break <laughs> off, you did. i think you need to try it out I guarantee you, you did. I'm writing it down. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right, y'all. That is Blake. Big sweetness. <laughs> Coming to your common standpoint near you. All right, Blake, I appreciate you doing this today, man, and I hope you have a great night. All right, thank you. You too. I appreciate you having me. All right. All right, I want to give a major shout-out to KC Graphics. Um, they literally are phenomenal. I just had them do my Wild Boys flags for upcoming for Panama. Uh, phenomenal look. They did a, such a great job, detailed, everything. And not only do they do flags, guys, they do backpacks, uniforms, wedding invitations, pictures, you name it. If you want it, they will make it. Uh, they will not disappoint you. And if you need to get a hold of them check them out on facebook and instagram at kc graphics design uh, that is kc graphics design i'm telling y'all y'all will not be disappointed uh they do phenomenal check them out kc graphics all right time to get the whole cue first and foremost i'd like to thank blake sweet coming on here today and not only that finishing it off with that good joke man i mean who has not used axe and try to light themselves on fire uh obviously if kids are listening to this we don't recommend it 
There's a reason why we talk about it because it doesn't need to happen anymore. Um, obviously, it's all cool and dandy to try to light yourself on fire, and then obviously in one day and you don't have an extinguisher. So, needless to say, axe and fire, no, no. But for Blake Sweet's jet joke, thumbs up. I mean, it was a, just a fun chat with him today. Uh, crazy to know, like, the experiences that he has had so far being a comedian, a stand-up comedian. Obviously, he's still really new to it. Uh, what we use in the wrestling terminology, very green. So, obviously, he's still very, very... I say open-minded now because, obviously, when you get set on something and you're more advanced in it, then we call you a moderate, stuff like that. So, obviously, Blake is still very, very new to it. But I'm sure we have big, big things coming for him. I know um, just easily when this stuff starts falling off a little bit, obviously, this comedy stand-up shows will start coming up. And, obviously, uh, hopefully, the future is good for Blake. Uh, on a com comedic standpoint, I mean, it's pretty awesome. Uh, and also, y'all, check out their podcast. Check out uh, the little skits that they do. Um, I actually just saw one yesterday, and it is hilarious. I don't really usually like... Well, let me stop lying. Obviously, I used to like Simpsons and stuff like that, but I mean, I guess since I've gotten older now, I'm kind of just like... I'm distant on so much stuff. I'm just on certain things that I like. And it's not like I'm going to change anything on it. But I checked some of their stuff out yesterday. And man, it is hilarious. So y'all won't be disappointed on it. Um, But it was such fun. And man, just how energetic <laughs> those episodes were. I mean, it's pretty cool. Those little skits are very entertaining. Uh, Yeah, I mean, can't go wrong with it. So check out their podcast support him and hopefully in the near future we'll see him on comedy central or up in the big league somehow so all right y'all valentine's day is coming up i know we said it at first the opening of the episode don't forget to get your lady something special for valentine's day i've learned personally you forget one of those days you're in the doghouse and it's not fun. It ain't fun at all. Um, so man, if y'all if y'all don't want to buy anything for it, make a dinner, wash the dishes, take out the trash, volunteer to give her a foot rub, offer to get her massages, stuff like that. I mean, just simple things like that, guys. You'd be amazed at what it will do for a woman. And obviously, maybe you never know. You never know. Okay. But, all right, y'all, it's time to wrap it up. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Uh, like I said before, the, my weekend is going to be pretty much booked up. Also, I want to give a shout-out to Studs Podcast. Uh, Savion Mixon coming on, and he's back up on the podcast standpoint, man. I'm looking forward to listening to him every Friday and Monday. Like I said, it's Studs Podcast. Y'all need to check him out. If y'all really... I know people ask me all the time, like, man, I can't believe flag football is that serious. Like, I never thought flag could be that entertaining, that awesome type look. Check out Stud's podcast. He explains very in-depth of flag football, uh, stats for 
upcoming league that's coming up, obviously, that I will be in for my teams, the Wild Boys. Uh, looking forward to that. It's time to get back in the drawing boards and get prepared for the next tournaments coming up, obviously. So, all right, y'all. I want everybody to wrap it up. All right. Hope everyone washes their hands. Stay safe. Stay clean. Do what you got to do. Protect what you got. And I'll be back when I have more buzz down the road. Later.